1: Hey, everyone. This is Joe Waters, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Cause Talk Radio. And on the line with me right now, of course, is Megan Strand. Hey, Megan.
0: Hey, Joe. How's it going? It's excellent, as That's always. Yeah. Cause Talk Radio Day.
1: I know. such a big event day. Every week now, and the show is really growing. I mean, the show we did uh, last week on Rose's Fresh Pizza in Philadelphia, really taking off. Uh, in terms of people hearing Mason's story, so you'll if you haven't heard that one yet, you definitely go have to go back For and sure. check it out. Uh, we have a great show today, and I love the person that we have on today. I mean, she is incredible. When we talk about cause marketing and selling, I mean, this is a woman, Megan, that has sold cause marketing partnerships to Vladimir Putin. <laughs> she has done <laughs> pinup <laughs> programs at shopping plazas in North Korea. That's how successful she is.
0: I have no she, doubt she could.
1: She even convinced ISIS to set up donation boxes in the cities that they're conquering in the Middle East. On the line with us right now is the lovely Molly Ray, president of Full Momentum, in and I can say this so well, snowless Atlanta. Molly, welcome to the show.
2: Well, thank you so much, Joe. Can you see me blushing on radio? I don't
1: know. <laughs> no, I can't. It's all well-deserved. When you pulled off that thing with ISIS with the donation boxes, I mean, I was just really, really impressed.
0: It's actually miraculous that CNN has not picked up on this particular thread because we're, right. we're breaking it here, folks.
1: That's right. That's <laughs> right. Yeah. But, you know, it, it goes without saying, though, Molly, I can't think of anyone who is a more skilled salesperson when it comes to cause marketing partnerships, than you.
2: Uh, well, thank you, Joe. I appreciate yeah. that. I'm gonna I'm gonna see if I can get you to give me that endorsement. You know, in
1: writing. Yeah, <laughs> I won't do a lot of good, but <laughs> but you do have it. I mean, and you know, and it's so you know, it, it's interesting when we talk about this, Molly, because this is the question I get all the time from people. About, about selling cost marketing partnerships. How do you create them? How do you build them? How do you get in the door? Like, I think that's probably like the biggest thing that people ask me is like, you know, how do you get in the door? And the question I have for you is, first of all, tell us a little bit about how you got into this. I really want to hear that. And be brief on that because my next question is, what is the absolute first thing that nonprofits need to do to recruit a corporate partner?
2: Okay, great. Well, I'm actually glad that you asked me how I got into this because I have a mm-hmm. funny little story to tell you. Um, you know, I wasn't born knowing that I would grow up to be a cause marketer like. I can't. Believe that, <gasps> sure. I can't
1: believe that. No, uh, none of sure. us
2: knew this was what we were going to do. Yeah. And my background was in both advertising and in corporate marketing. And I had this wonderful opportunity when I worked for Intercontinental Hotels Group. Um, And I was actually charged with developing their sales program for hotel-level sales staff. Mm -hmm. And... As a, as a part of that, I was able to go out and interview six or seven of the top sales curriculum um, development companies in the country at that time, and it was really fascinating. And because of that experience, I got to audit a lot of sales classes and <laughs> learn a lot of sales tips from a lot of different experts. Oh,
1: and good what to is you. so
2: interesting to me and what has been you know so interesting in my career is applying those general sales skills and practices to the cause environment. Mm -hmm. And it is something that I'm quite passionate about, (laughs) so I'm really happy to be um, discussing this here on Call Talk Radio with you today. Mm -hmm. Um, And so a lot of the advice I'm giving you is the exact same advice that you would receive if you went to, you know, a professional sales class.
1: Yeah. No, And and that's what – you know, isn't that kind of the hump, don't you think, Megan and Molly, that a lot of nonprofits need to get over to, is thinking that somehow – selling cause marketing partnerships isn't selling but something else <laughs> I guess it's like public television you know they have ads but they don't call them ads they call them sponsorship <laughs> they call them underwriting, underwriting. instead uh, you know it, I mean is, do you find this with non is you gotta kind of like shake the molly and be like hey it's sales <laughs>
2: Well, you know, I actually um sometimes I've given up on that and just call it collaboration building. Oh
1: um, I like that.
2: <laughs> if that's more comfortable then by all means call it what you want. Yep. Um, but it's all about building relationships. That's the bottom mm-hmm. line.
0: Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. so where do you start? Like what how do you when you're working with nonprofit clients, which you do all the time, how do you start?
2: Okay, so I'm going to say something that I don't think you're going to expect me to say, but it, it, it is the absolute starting point. And that is first and foremost, look at your list of current sponsors and friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is the best place to start. A warm relationship is always going to close faster than a cold relationship. Amen. And for, for some reason, you know, nonprofits don't think about looking at you know, their existing partners for potential growth or potential partners as a candidate for a new program that's been rolling out. They tend to think, oh, gosh, they're already helping me with A, B, C. I couldn't possibly ask for D. Um, but the reality is that, you know, warm is always best. So I encourage you to look there first, and that would be existing partners. Uh, it would be people that you've met with before and shared your mission, but they said no before
1: mm-hmm. um
2: because now you know their plans change every year, their staffing changes on a regular basis. you don't know when it's going to change because it you know it's not planned, so you always have to keep cycling through your warm prospect list. But I know that your real question is, where do you start when you don't know a friend or you don't have a warm starting point? Yeah, and so- you definitely
1: have. I mean, I have those nonprofits that come up to me, Molly, and I'm sure they come up to you too, and they say that, and that you know, they're kind of almost a little bit ashamed of themselves, uh, and because it's like, you know, I just don't have anyone. I don't have no, you know, nowhere to begin with, no one to begin with.
0: Well, I do want to ask one clarifying question, question though, Molly. When you're working with nonprofits, is it just the people in your your own little department that you know? or can you also reach across the aisle to maybe events or other areas of the nonprofit to to look for those relationships?
2: That is an excellent, excellent Mm. question. Um, And I, of course, am going to advocate for going as broadly as possible. And, in fact, in a previous life when I was with the Arthritis Foundation in charge of their sales, I created a cross-organizational sales once once a month. I brought everybody pizza. And I had the PR department, the marketing department, the advertising department, because we had a magazine, Arthritis Today. Mm -hmm. We had the event people, we had the program people. I invited a person from every department and bought them pizza. And we sat around and talked about who, what friends had they made lately.
1: (laughs) 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 Did you see Molly?
2: Like, hey, you know, have another slice of pizza. Who you been hanging out (laughs) with lately? Exactly, exactly. And you know what? We even, we even created a system where, um, you know, we didn't take all of the ownership of the leads. We would assign an account owner, and sometimes that account owner was a program person, um, depending on the prospect. So, yeah, certainly everyone in a nonprofit organization has the potential to wear a sales – oops – Ooh, sales, or collaboration
1: building <laughs> hat. <laughs> a CB, a CB hat. Who would one like a CB hat?
2: <laughs> yeah, it's like dirty word. Don't say yeah, sales. Yeah, right,
1: yeah, yeah. Don't say
2: sales. Get <laughs> <can't> to say sales.
1: <laughs>
2: but that's a good point, Megan. And then what I would say is back to Joe's question about where in the world do you get started? What's the absolute first step? Here is my big, big tip. And this is a mistake that I see made time and time again. Don't look at your mission as your starting point. Mm-hmm. Look at the audience that you're reaching. Your marketing match is your starting point. Yep. So everyone um, – You know, when you are looking in a development role, there are lots of different types of development prospects. You have individual donors. You have P2P participants. You have uh, planned giving. You have large personal gifts and so forth. And all of those different types of donors have needs and behaviors, right? So you are going to think about your corporate donor and what their particular need or interest is, and that's your marketing assets. Yes. So I think the biggest mistake that's made is you think that, you know, nonprofits think they need to reach out to someone who has a direct, you know, immediate affiliation with their, you know, disease state right. or their mm-hmm. or their, you know, I- issue, their mission basis issue. but really it's who might have an interest in the market that they're able to reach yep. through their messaging. Their, you know, the donors that they are reaching, not necessarily the constituents they're serving, but you know, the the donors that can be reached through a joint campaign. Does that make yeah, sense?
1: It, totally. It, it totally. And, you know, one of the things, too, I think what you're saying, too, is in in the, the the former in terms of talking about going to people within an organization about your issue, that's really not where the money is in the business. And what you're really encouraging people to do is, no, go where the money is. Go where they need your audience. And you can certainly raise more money than you're going to raise in corporate giving or community relations.
2: Yeah, and you know, you, you you raise another interesting point, Joe, and I do get asked this question all the time. So even though it's not one you've asked me, <clears throat> I'll bring it forward as one mm. that I get asked all the time, which is, which department should I reach out yes. to? Mm. <clears throat> and so I I will tell you that my answer is – all of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I say when, the,
1: the, take the, the one that takes your call. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's exactly it. You just stole my punchline. So we will reach out when – when we are working on behalf of former minimum clients, we'll reach out to someone in marketing, someone in PR, in um, human resources, community relations. Um, you know, we'll, we will you know blanket the landscape because there are so many different points of entry right. into the corporate headquarters, and whichever one to say what you said, Joe, whichever one shows the interest first is your starting point.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that goes for companies too. So often people ask me, like, what kind of companies should I reach out to? It's like, uh, the ones that want to talk to you. about <laughs> it's, it's not there? Because, you know, obviously because you you know, sometimes I think nonprofits spend all this time like putting together these lists, you know, and, and they love lists and we're gonna go through this and we're gonna look at that. It's like, Yeah, but none of these people are gonna talk to you. <laughs> you
2: yeah, know but let's, sadly let's, they don't let's they, talk about the ones. I, I find that most of them think no one wants to talk to them and that's not true.
1: Yeah. You no, know, that is, yeah it's a
2: matter of, of finding out they might not want to talk to you based on, you know, a mission point, one particular mission point, but they might want to talk to you based on your marketing synergies or based on ways that you can engage their employees or ways yeah, that it, you can help them expand their PR reach.
1: And it's so and you know too, Molly, I mean, you know, ten, fifteen years ago I used to have to explain to people what cause marketing is, what social impact, social good and stuff like that. I mean, Even the smallest of businesses these days, they get it. They understand what you're talking about, and they may even see the value of it. So there's a great opportunity for nonprofits right now to reach out to businesses because they're more accepting of cost marketing than they ever have been before.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. So
0: you're talking about sort of changing your paradigm here to focus on who you're serving and your donors and what that overlap is. And then attacking a company, if, if to use that word, mm-hmm. which is probably not a great one, at multiple mm-hmm. points of entry. Are you catering the message to each different department? Like when you're talking to HR, you're going to talk to them about employees. When you're talking to marketing, you're going to talk to them about, you know, maybe social media or, or how to reach their customers better. Yeah. And, and but what what are you doing? Like, how are you even getting a foot in the door? Because I think that's the next question. That's the biggest question. Like, yes, it's great to say, yeah, we should attack on multiple points of entry. But h- how are you getting in? Are you calling? Are you emailing? Are you doing all of the above? What is it?
2: Doing all of the, the above and repeatedly. <laughs> mm, yeah. So I actually, um, you know, Joe Joe reached out to me to talk about um, this. You know, sales a series of blog posts that I've been writing lately about sales tips. And mm-hmm. in sales tip two, the article that I wrote, it's all about tenacity and, mm-hmm. the, and the fact that you really need to um, – you have to work hard to get in the door. You yeah, know, absolutely. It's not yeah. something that I, – I, I've had clients say, oh, well, I reached out to them, but they didn't write me back or they didn't <laughs> contact me. Well, yeah. how many times did you reach them? Well, twice. Well, uh-huh. yeah. you know, yeah, on right. average, I, I, I found this really cool infographic, and I put it in the blog post, that, um, that it takes on average. Average seven attempts to when you're cold calling to reach an executive seven mm-hmm. times. Yep. So I am recommending you know that you that you have to you know develop some thick skin, and you have to you know think about reaching out ten times. Yep. You know a, a lead is not dead. Um, until you've until you've exhausted it. Now I'm not saying do exactly the same thing every time. So mm-hmm. to your point, Megan, you know you, you email, you write, you you share, you know you share a particular point, and then maybe in the fourth email you share a different point. Um, so you've got to be creative, and you've got to keep trying different ways to to break through their clutter to to establish a a, a call.
1: Mm-hmm. No, that is it is it really is you have to be persistent in reaching out to people. And you know what I tell people to Molly is if you've done your homework about this company, it's worth going back to them again and again because they are a good prospect. And a good prospect is a good prospect forever unless things dramatically change. And that's what, you know, I, in, in, if people aren't responding to you, you have to think of all the different ways that you might be, you might be able to connect with that person. It could be having contact with them over LinkedIn. It could be having conversations with them on Twitter. It could be as simple as, you know, calling again and again until they pick up the phone without leaving a message. I mean, all these different things.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of different tricks, you know, and I have also written about the importance of leveraging your LinkedIn. You know, fi- if you find a person's name, then you know, see who you have. If you're not linked to them, find out who you have in common, and see if you know if there's a different point of entry that you can leverage, or you know, is send them an article that you read about their industry. That's
1: right. That's, an, um, that's a that's a great idea, Molly. Ways. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's about staying relevant, stay out in front, showing that them that you're interested as much in their efforts, in their success, as your success. And I think that goes a long way because I always say that most businesses, I think, just expect nonprofits to come in on bended knee with their cupped little hands and ask for money. And that the nonprofit, <laughs> the nonprofit that comes in and says, hey, I have an opportunity for you. And uh, this is something that I think will be great for your business and great for us. Let me explain it to you. It's well, like, mm-hmm. you know, where are you, where are you from, Maz? I mean, I've never heard this before.
0: Well, and I, th- I think that's the next question for Molly is, so let's say you, by some stroke of luck or persistence and tenacity, land a first phone call or a first meeting. What do you, what do, you do for that first meeting? How are you approaching that first meeting? What are you trying to gather
2: well you know that i think that the biggest mistake that that we make once we have landed that coveted first meeting is that we feel that oh gosh it took us all these weeks and all these efforts to get this appointment so i better cram every <laughs> possible thing yeah. that needs to be said in the world yeah. into that meeting you know yeah. and and could, nothing Ugh. could be further from the truth so um, in one of those fancy sales classes that I told you I was able to take you know, back in my previous life, they, there was something said that stuck that I have never forgotten, and that is what they call the 70-30 rule. Mm-hmm. And that is when you are making your first discussion with a prospect, you plan to listen 70% of the time and talk 30% of the time. Mm-hmm.
1: That's a good ratio.
2: Yeah, and yeah. if you, I'm telling you, if you can do that, you will get a second appointment because that's your goal. Your goal is not to go into that first call and present a contract. Your goal is to go into that call and establish the beginning of a relationship. Yeah. And you know what? It's actually been scientifically proven. I wish I could find the source, but people, um, people think that uh, that someone they're talking with is smarter if they ask good questions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. than if they um if they say smart things
0: <laughs> well let's so, talk about that what what questions do you always ask what are you trying to get to when you're when you're in this first meeting
2: um so that that's a great point and actually in this blog post series that i told you about i gave away some some advice i gave top my top five favorite open-ended questions for a sales call. Um, and they are listed in, in that blog post number one. on the. Uh, you can find the series, by the way, on our website at www.4momentum.com. Yeah, we'll excellent to-
1: website. And, and, you know, one thing I want to mention to yes. our listeners too, make sure you sign up for the 4 Momentum newsletter yes. because it's excellent. And uh, Molly's not going to clutter your inbox with, you know, with uh, newsletters twice a week, but when she does send it out – it's really worthwhile.
2: And we'll put it's links to, to this on the show That's notes
0: good. too. Yeah, okay. we'll put links too.
2: Once a month with, uh, you know, with three quick articles. But so the five, the five things that I always ask or um, try to ask, uh, to your point, Megan, are number one, can you tell me more about your role with your organization? Mm. Um, you know, to that point earlier about, you know, you're, you're you know, kind of scattering the landscape trying to get your foot into a door. So sometimes you would be surprised that titles can be misleading, and you just need to find out what their role is. Plus, guess what? People love to talk about themselves. They love it. So they will typically share very openly, oh, well, I'm in charge of A, B, and C.
1: It's and true. So Look case- at me. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, I love talking yeah. about me. <laughs>
2: uh, the, other, the other questions are things like, you know, what is your planning and budget cycle? You know, that's another common misnomer is that um, nonprofits think that they should be able to get, you know, into this year's budget, and that's just not necessarily the case. You might have to start planning towards their budget cycle so that you know when they are likely to be able to commit dollars to you. The third question I have listed is, you know, what are some of the biggest challenges that you are facing this year in your role with the company so that you can understand what their pain points are and come back to them with solutions? Um, another great question is, um, you know, has your company participated in COS partnerships previously? Now, if there's a really obvious one that, um, you know, that is built well known in the marketplace, you can ask them about that particular partnership and ask them things like what worked well and what what isn't working so well. You know, they will tell you, you know, what what they like and what's missing and then another good question is you know all you know there's such a trend towards engaging employees in your cause work so you know another great question is you know what efforts do you make to engage your employees into your partnerships
0: That's so good. those yeah. are you
2: know those are just a few questions but you know to your point um uh, megan i think you're asking like you know where should you start you should just get them um started on talking about uh, subjects that are going to allow you to craft your pitch to show how you are a solution to their goals and needs.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, what are the, uh, you know when nonprofits that you advise, Molly, realize that this is a multi-multi step process in terms of working with corporate partners? How do they respond to you? Do they like the fact that you've offered a plan, or do they feel like? Oh man this is too hard. I'll write another grant application. I'll ask another rich person for money. I'm not doing this.
2: Well, you know, it's it's a mixed bag honestly. Um, Joe, but I do what I do try to encourage is that if you're not if you're not willing to recognize that there's going to be a runway of time needed here, then don't waste your time. Don't waste your resources. Yeah, and it's not
1: is, it's not the opportunity too for that organization that needs a six figure gift tomorrow. And it's like, oh, I need cost marketing, <laughs> right? <It's, laughs> you know, you know it doesn't? You know, yeah, I, I
2: discourage thinking about cost marketing as as a solution for that need. Yeah, yeah. Um, so. I coach my clients to recognize that it's going to be, you know, 12 to 18 month cycle.
0: Mm -hmm. That's so true. Well, and it sounds like even just in your first meeting, you're gathering so much information that can potentially help you move that deal forward. If you know kind of who the decision maker is or how to get to that person, if you know the budget cycle, but when it comes down to trying to get people to commit, do you have any tips there for closing the deal with some of
1: these partners? Yeah, because if you're not closing, you're in customer service, Molly. You know that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to borrow that. I like that, Joe. That's good. That is funny. <laughs> um, so, so in my um, sales tip number three, I have three easy steps for an effective close, and it's just a really basic – Approach to how you can begin to close the business, and you're going to be surprised. But in those in those fifty sales classes that I took years ago, you know what I learned is that the number one reason that that someone doesn't get the business is they actually never ask for it. Right. Um, you can't just say, you know, wow. look at all these great things, look at all these synergies, isn't that great? That's not going to do it. You have to be specific. You have to put yourself out there, and you have to ask for the business. So what I said in this article, which I think is really, really important, is that, you know, by the time that you're ready to close the deal, you should already have in your hand several critical pieces of information, mm-hmm. so you know um, you should know what their target who their target audience is. Mm-hmm. you should know what their goals are, you should know what their timing and budgetary needs are um, so if you don't have those three pieces of information, you are not ready to make a close
0: mm-hmm. um, Good
2: advice. what I also want people to know or and really think about is that. The chances of them saying yes the first time you ask are extremely rare. Hmm. It's not going to happen that way. It's going to be a negotiation. It's going to be, well, we still kind (laughs) of wonder about this or (laughs) "Mm, I don't know about that. So plan on it being a multiple um, touchpoint conversation to get to the final deal.
1: Yeah. And you know what I always tell people too, Molly and Megan, is I always encourage them to like, don't push the prospect to the point that they actually have to make a, a, a verbal no and say like, no, we're not going to do this. This isn't the right program for us and stuff like that. Because I I always tell people that I think there's a strong psychological barrier in no, like I told you no, you know, and you always want to leave the prospect with, well, this is a good start or maybe next year or, you know what I mean, and, and something like that. And I think that really does reflect how you approach the process with them in that you know that they're a good partner and they probably see it too, but the timing probably isn't right.
2: Right. And so what I always encourage in those cases is to find something, no matter mm. how small, that they can say yes to. So, okay, well I understand that you don't have the six figure figure budget we're looking for. Would you be willing to you know share a story about our such and so event on your Twitter feed or mm-hmm. on your Facebook page? Or would you be willing to, you know, uh, do a lunch and learn with your employee, I mean, just some mm-hmm. sort of a starting point that is low cost and it allows them to be a warm prospect. Instead of a cold prospect, and so you know, again, like I said at the very top, you know, the more warm leads you have, the more likely you're going to get to be able to actually close a deal, um, and you're just sort of staging the the prospects in your pipeline for bigger and stronger asks down the road.
1: Excellent advice. See, well, I told you. I know all the things that full she's full done. Of great advice. That's right. She could sell anyone.
0: And you know, here's the thing about Molly. If you've ever met Molly, there's some people that are super salesy that you just kind of feel like you need to take a shower after you've talked to them. Molly yeah. is like the most lovely human being on the planet and just very classy. So right. if Molly can sell, you can sell
1: and you and don't have was, to be um, sleazy about it. And I think that's you was it last year that Molly won no, the sales a, contest? It was a couple. It was a team? couple of years
0: ago. Yeah, that she won the perfect pitch by standing on yeah. stage in front of 500 people, yep. pitching an imaginary business, and everyone voted, and she won because yep. guess what? She had done her homework, she'd done her research, and yep. she wasn't smarmy salesperson. So that's I think right. I think that's probably one of the biggest barriers is that people feel like oh it's gonna just feel icky. But I think if you do it right and you approach it the way that Molly's outlined for us today, it doesn't have to feel that way. So you thank know, you. You're, you're
2: presenting 90. solutions. And, you know, that the day that I was so fortunate to win that perfect pitch, <laughs> the, the reason that people, um, you know, related to that is that I made that pitch all about the prospect. Totally. 100% yeah. right. about the right. prospect. I wasn't selling, you know, the mission of the organization, I was selling the connection to that prospect's need. Mm-hmm. And um, and it resonated. Yes. And I, yeah. I, it worked.
1: You, you know, Molly has Southern Charm. She does. That's, That's I true. I need some of that. I need, you to, do need to some of that. spend more time with her and stuff like that. <laughs> and not be the snarky Bostonian all the time. You know? <laughs> I need to be that, with Molly. Uh,
2: we know what and, it is. It's the yeah, like cold. And,
1: yeah, that's right. It is. It makes us very bitter. It makes you cold hearted. That's right. It makes you bitter. Literally. <laughs> I'm freaking cold all the time.
0: Oh, poor Joe. Well, Molly, this has been so, so fabulous. And we are awesome. going to r- wrap just an amazing show note post around this, including lots of links to your site and all of the great posts that you've done on this topic. So thank you so much for joining us. If people want to find out more about Four Momentum, you gave a plug earlier. Can you just give us that site one more time?
2: Oh, sure. Thanks so much. It's www.formomentum.com and that is spelled F O R and then the word momentum, M O M E N T U M.com.
0: Excellent. Thank you so, so much. Joe? Where can people well, find I am you? I would
1: say that one of the things that people should do, in st- including signing up for the Full Momentum newsletter, is you should follow them on Twitter. Yes. Uh, they are fairly active on Twitter and excellent. And people can also find me on Twitter, believe it or not, Megan and Molly. Hard to believe. At Joe Waters. And of course, people can visit me at selfishgiving.com and see what's happening there and find the podcast and other resources like my infographic on cause marketing. And finally, check out my. Uh, Pinterest boards at Pinterest.com front slash Joe Waters nearly 3,500 cost marketing pins which is I think is probably 3,400 more than Megan has so I mean it's been extremely successful (laughs) Megan except for Pinterest and you're not really that great on Twitter either Uh, where can people find you?
0: That's really a lovely setup. (laughs) I will say that Joe's posting things from his on his Facebook page from my Twitter feed today. So, That's right. Absolutely. At Megan Strand, I tweet for the Cause Marketing Forum at TweetCMF. We do have a conference coming up, folks, and I know both Molly and Joe are going to be there. So that is May 27, 28 in Chicago. Do check us out at cosmarketingform.com And of course, you can find Cause Talk Radio on SelfishGiving.com as well as CauseUpdate.com. That's where you're going to find all these great show notes. And you will also find us on iTunes, which is probably the most important place to find us because you can subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. And please reach out to us and leave us some feedback. We want to know that you're listening. We want to hear all of the input that you have about the show. So on behalf of Molly and Joe and myself, we'd like to thank you for joining us for this episode of Talk Radio, and we'll see you next time.